So, where's this karma that's gonna swoop down and punish me? You're looking at it. Drop it. Duncan and both come correct. Are you being sarcastic right now? Yeah, the, the guy's name was Angus. <laughs> <laughs> he always wore a kilt. Yep. And, yep, that's us. And no one could understand him except for the pirate. That yeah, but yeah, that's yeah. I mean, that's it, 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 stuff like this that has put my people back. Um, <laughs> I also think it's stuff like this that we market really, really well on things like shortbread tins and 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 such like. So, um, <laughs> the double-edged sword. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so this is, of course, uh, Duncan about come correct. This uh, iteration is uh, uh, Duncan and Bo slash fiction where we have been head scratchingly going through <laughs> the the series slasher and and we have reached uh, a, a milestone with, oh god with the yeah. episode we're gonna be talking about today oh um, man it all came together all came together it all came together and hit me just right this this right now is maybe egregiously the dumbest episode that they've put out and i'll be honest with you i'm having a i'm having a lot more fun with this season than i did with the previous one i think yeah it's measured expectations yeah it's kind of at this stage though i kind of feel a little bit guilty by how easy it is to take the piss out of it um (laughs) it's like i don't even like the the joke there's that way where like um like michael jordan said that like at his best when he was playing like it didn't matter where he was standing from, wherever he threw the ball, the hoop appeared in his mind a lot bigger than what it actually was. So he was always making it. That's literally slasher to me now. I have to put zero thought into what I want to say about it. It just keeps gifting me things. It just keeps saying, Dear yeah. Duncan, look at this silly thing. Talk about this silly thing. And I'm like, oh, all right then. Yeah, yeah so. all I have to do is, uh, it, like I'm taking the notes, but it's just like, I just need to get the basic plot beats because as soon as I, I say something like, and then everybody's leaving while Ren is in a chair playing guitar. <laughs> and no it's no one's like, reacted to. Like, no one's reacted <laughs> Yeah. It's, it's so good. It's so good. We'll, we'll get to that in a minute. We got, we got a lot of ground to cover this episode. Oh, so we're not, we're not going to dilly or dally. Oh, nice. Um, so a, a couple of housekeeping notes, Duncan. Uh, oh. I know some people, and I, I messaged you about this already, but... Uh, I know some people have been asking, um, like, hey, where are the, the early, early episodes? <laughs> Why you would want that, I don't know. It's, oh man, that sound quality is not great. Um, that's <laughs> well, just I, was how recording, I was recording in a cupboard, like legitimately in a cupboard under a set of stairs. And uh, like, I, I, we'd, we'd only known each other a couple of months. Yeah, yeah, this so. is going back to 2014 fuck's sake yeah it's like may 2014 was the first episode something like that we're yeah, actually well, closer to a 10-year anniversary of this show than i'd like to believe yeah because like and like to put things in perspective i only started doing podcasts under the stairs uh 31st of august 2013 yeah so i would have been podcasting what six seven months maybe tops yeah, something like that um, yeah in fact, less than that if we take into account that we were prepping the show for a good like two months before we actually did it. So, 
Um, yeah. So yeah, it, it's <laughs> boy, they, the boy, how times have changed. Um, mm. But yeah, no, it sounds like the apparently I'm using like an old dish rag for a microphone. It's just the worst. <laughs> and so fair warning. But all that being said, uh, I, I did manage to find uh, the first four episodes, which were the nice. ones that were missing. And over the course of the coming week, I'll get all those cleaned up and posted because in some cases what I had to do was use the internet archive to find the page for the episode and i couldn't download the file but i could play the episode and so i would play the episode and then record it uh, Mm -hmm. as i played it uh and not through a microphone or anything just you know desktop recording but it was still yeah yeah. yeah, i mean so you're gonna get the real shit like what you can't blame the process of capturing the episodes on how bad the episodes sound but they're really they're really fun like as i was going back through them i was like man it's you know like it was just clear up front that we enjoy talking about movies Mm -hmm. and uh it was really fun it was it was really fun to go back so i'm excited about uh people being able to listen to that stuff again and then complain about the audio and then i'm gonna be like (laughs) i fucking told everybody um so dost thou not listen to thy disclaimer yeah dost thou like to live cracklingly Uh, (laughs) not sure i don't think that's a word um more importantly duncan oh dear (laughs) we uh so so that'll be coming soon um over on uh, legionpodcast.com as well as of course the normal duncan bow uh come correct feed uh, and, and so thanks for kind of goosing me for, for those of you that were like, Hey, uh, you assholes, the, the first four episodes aren't available. What the <laughs> fuck? And, and that's cause that again, those were early days, man. I was just uploading those to the site, not, not a mm. server. And, uh, it became a little trickier to, to, to find them again, but you know, find them, find them. I did. Um, so that's out of the way. Uh, let's get to some movies good and bad because you you have uh seen a bunch of movies apparently yeah uh, yeah i've seen new movies as in like new titles as in 2021 titles let's let's get right to it uh hit hit me with some 21 2020 21 hit me some yeah. uh with some titles <laughs> that are only viewable by those 21 and over uh, <laughs> uh you will be interested or maybe not to hear that i I went to the cinema bowl. Oh, I've done that too. It was weird, bowl. It it yes, the like here they're still spacing it real weird. Yeah. So I ended up because uh I have I have friends with really unor I'm friends with really unorganized people. Uh we ended up getting to the movies late and the only thing available was the front row. Yeah. Uh. So, you know, I watched a quiet place too like this and uh, but it was still enjoyable i I still had a good time out at the movies what was your experience um well our cinema was pretty much empty (laughs) um i went to see uh the the conjuring three the devil made me do it yeah um maybe the most enjoyable out of the three but it's the most ludicrous one out of the three by like a country mile um i mean to the point where that like so based on a true story thing comes up at the beginning. I'm, I'm, I'm like, you might as well just say based on the Warren's PR company. Yeah, um, that that was a big marker for me where I was like, let's let's not overstate it, shall we? 
Yeah, because there there is there is a part where it is kind of it's kind of based on a true story in that someone got convicted of a murder and said he was possessed, and there was a court case, um, which they held where the defense put forward that it wasn't insane, he was possessed. Right, but oh, that, that was also immediately thrown out. The judge was like, no, we are not yeah. entertaining Well, like, yeah, literally, that's like, he, like the, uh, not spoiling anything for anyone, the guy was done with manslaughter charges, so, um, because, believe it or not, the judge didn't believe that. But then, right, so that's one aspect, but that's probably the small aspect to the movie, which is the base of the true story. The rest is just fucking nonsense um and kind of glorious nonsense like in a lot of respects um yes they're still pushing the whole god thing pretty hard and and that's what conjuring movies do but the whole i'm a like the, the whole purpose behind the movie is that this possession is actually done by a satanist um who's got her hands on some old kind of old timey um, books on witchcraft and and she's she's building totems which she's using to conjure a demon mm-hmm. and if she gets so many kills um, I don't know like she levels up she, I, she gets a free man yeah <laughs> you know, um, so that's the that's the kind of setup and all that stuff is absolutely fucking nonsense um, and there's a couple of scenes, like, we, we came out at the end, it was me, uh, the Baz was there, and my buddy Dave, and Dave likes the Conjuring movies, and I'm, I've, I've made my points kind of clear on them. I think Conjuring movies are really, really, really good at just ripping off what a whole lot of other movies do and just packaging them into to one movie and kind of passing it off as if, you know... It's there, you know, it, like they're the ones that come up with it. If you watch the first Conjuring movie, it's basically an amalgamation of everything from The Exorcist to The Amityville, um, uh, the Amityville House, uh, or Amityville Horror. The second movie is is not a good movie. Um, and then, you know, the, the true story of the second movie is so much more terrifying <laughs> than, than the movie they made. Yeah. Um, it does have I mean, that nice uh, kind of centerpiece scene of the girl in the chair out yeah. of focus. That's a really cool horror scene. I don't like The Conjuring mm-hmm. 2 very much, but I'm willing to concede like, oh, that's a great scene. I wish that were in a yeah. better movie. Yeah. And then the third one, like I say, is is it's, it's just a lot of nonsense. Uh, but like I said, entertaining nonsense. Like all that shit where they're trying to track down the Satanist, to me, was kind of like... And it has a couple... The weird thing about it is it has, like, tonal gags in it as well that don't befit the movie. If you know what I mean, like, they they do some of this, and they've done it in almost... Well, they didn't do it in the first Conjuring movie, but they certainly did it in the second one, where they try and alleviate it by injecting, and it feels like forced humour. Like, there's a scene where, like, when they first kind of hypothesise the idea of you know, putting forward the defense with the lawyer of possession. And she's like, I, you know, I'm not, I can't do that. And they're like, listen, just come to her house. And then the next scene, we'll introduce you to Annabelle. And then the next scene, she's sitting in the courtroom, pale faced, you know, like all kind of shaking and shit because she's obviously been terrified. I, I did think that was funny. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's a weird thing to shove in a movie where the kid's sitting right beside her has murdered someone by stabbing him 23 times. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just... I don't, it doesn't all, like, the problem with these movies is I I think 
at times they try and take themselves too seriously. And I think that's that's my big issue with it. The Warrens, if you do any sort of reading, whether you like, like them as characters or actors, the, the actors that play them are brilliant, but whether you like them or not, they are crooks. <laughs> like they're they're proven crooks. They have like if you do any reading into them at all, they they've got a, a litany of pretty horrific shit that they've they've done. Yes, I'm sure they've made people feel a lot better about themselves and whatnot, but they've they've also at the same time exploited and taken advantage of a lot of people. Um, so I always go in with a, a, a bit of a conflict whenever I'm because I know the PR machine's working for these movies. And like I say, the best stuff is the stuff that just doesn't, like, there's no grounding or evidence at all to say that any of that happened remotely. The stuff that did happen is the stuff that is the backseat to the movie. So if that, you know, I, like I say, what they should do, instead of based on a true story, based on the accounts from the Warrens. Like, and then at that point, you can go as nutty as you uh, yeah. want with it. I totally, fine yeah. with that. I totally agree. If it's a, like from the casebook of Ed Lorraine Warren... Fine. You know I mean? you, that, because fine. at that point, it's like, well, of course it's bullshit then. As opposed, I, I think that based on a, a true story doesn't do anyone any favors, especially oh. when the actual true story is so kind of cut and dry of these two knuckleheads who got drunk and then got in a fight. Yeah. And they, like all this devil made me do it bullshit is like, I, I'm with you. I think that the movie does a good enough job of distancing itself pretty quickly from what the real case was. Yeah. Um, I didn't make it all the way through it because I was watching on HBO. And, oh, at yeah. a, and at a certain point, I was just like, I don't care about any of this. And you get like the ve- the very end of the movie is, and if anyone's watching just now and you've not seen it, please just hit mute for thirty seconds so I can tell. Bo, that like the end of the movie is totally like they they literally have like a like a a battle scene underground with this witch, yeah. Um, and oh, but it's like it's incredible. Like the the end of it is like the because she doesn't get her, they destroy the altar. So she doesn't get her last soul. So they essentially the demon comes and takes her soul by basically bending her like a pretzel. Like uh, like the kid at the beginning or whatever. Yeah, like a yeah. crippled fucking like pretzel on the ground. And then the the warrens crawl out and then the police arrive. So the police arrive at a scene where there's a dead priest who's uh-huh. had his throat slit. Okay. Um there's a like there's a dead woman who's been snapped and bit like a pretzel. Right, right. Kind of one miss cold. Yeah. Yep, in the in the basement, um, and there's a ton of physical evidence that proved that the Warrens were involved with all this, but nothing happens to them. And on the other side of things, this kid's been in prison, and there's a lot of Wardens see him levitate off the ground, the scream so loud that all the windows shatter, and nothing happens there. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. like just. Like either be totally fantastical or grimmed it. One of the two. Both of, both those stories, both th- those different ways of telling that story can be completely interesting. But when you push it together and pass it off as a this happened, all you do is you 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 kind of like I say you like you plant this myth that the Warrens were like the like like. I don't know, like the Cape Crusaders of of Catholicism, and they really, really weren't. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it's. I mean, it's out there. It's definitely like the director did the Curse of La Llorona, 
Mm. Um, and it's definitely a hundred times better than that movie because that movie was a snooze. I, yeah, um, I, I'm the weird holdout for that one where I'm like, it's not that bad. It's all right. You're a weird man. It's, it's a boring it, yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, well, all right. So here's the other problem I had with Conjuring 3, which is not the Conjuring 3's problem at all. Although I do like the fact that they just fucking ditched the Conjuring three. That's what it is. But yeah, it's it the is. Conjuring the Devil made me do it so that they can make like thirty of these and nobody will notice. I know I'd be like, it's like Conjuring fifteen. What the fuck? Um, <laughs> um, I saw Caveat like literally oh, the day I before, yeah, yeah. and yeah, I was so like, then... this is a million times better ghost story. Finish, um, isn't that? Uh yeah, it might even so. be Scottish. Uh, I think it's I think it is Irish. And I think okay. it's on Shutter at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, it it hit yeah. Shutter recently, and um, yeah, I don't want to spend too much time on it, uh, other than to say I thought it was a much more effective uh, ghost story in terms mm-hmm. of stuff that I saw this weekend with mm-hmm. eh, somewhat similar subject matter, and uh, also the director of. Uh, caveat definitely saw black sabbath and was like you know what you know what's fucking horrifying that ghost in black sabbath and and then just went with it and i was it it totally works it's fucking great caveat like caveat's not an amazing movie i think it gets a little weighed down by its structure where Mm -hmm. it's trying to be a little too clever um, but all that's a minor complaint compared to the fact that there's some legitimately super creepy shit in caveat. I need to check out. Yeah. It's, on, it's, it's on my list. It was a quiet place too. How was a quiet place too? Yeah. Um, it was fine. Um, like I, I those are very much popcorn kind of horror movies and it mm-hmm. totally works on that level. Uh, I, you know, there's a whole lot of why aren't these people just doing X or whatever? Yeah, like, you can't think about them. Like, right, you the, literally can't think about them because as soon as you do, it all unravels. Right, and but then when you tell somebody like, you know, uh, A Quiet Place is a really good B-movie because mm. that's kind of what it is. And mm-hmm. then people are like, no, it, 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 A Quiet Place makes me cry. I'm like, that's fine. B-movies can make you cry too. But <laughs> let's just not pretend that this is all high and mighty, like a highfalutin mm. kind of horror movie, like Hereditary yeah. or something. Yeah. yeah, like it tries to pretend that it is, but it ain't that. Mm-hmm. And uh, but it's good. It's a it like it's it's really fun. There's some nice tense moments. You just like like what you were saying. You just can't think about it for two seconds, or you're gonna be like, "What? Why are they doing this again? <laughs> Why aren't they just uh, fine?" Um, yeah. <laughs> so, but it, yeah, it was a good time. It was a totally good time at the movies. Um, nice. I'm I'm hoping to get to see it in the next because it, it's just come out in the UK. So um, maybe not this week, but the week after uh, yeah. is the intention to go and check it out. So I think I'm you will enjoy it. both both Quiet Place Two and Caveat. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I thought I thought a Quiet Place was fine. I like I, once again, yeah. I wasn't on the this is the best horror movie of the year, which uh-huh. a lot of people were. And that's, once again, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But yeah, like I say, I, I, when I was watching it, I was I was kind of thinking, mm, and then when Tim had come out, I'd picked that apart. Yeah. Um, this is, is my- better than that. I And I think it partly it's knowing like, oh, this is going to be kind of dumb. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and once you kind of embrace that world, uh, it, yeah, it's, it, I, it's better than the first, I would argue. All right. Awesome. I look forward to that. I look forward to that. I checked out In the Earth, the new oh, Ben Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Oh, so good. Yeah. So I good. might watch you, that today. I think it's available here. Uh, no, I haven't seen it yet, but I might watch that today. Oh, I got a whole man. day of nothing but movies in front of me. Yeah, like once again, Wheatley. And, and the thing about this is he's uh, this is his lockdown movie. You know what I mean? This is his, I've got too much time on my hands. I'll just write up a script, grab a couple of actors, go out in the woods and film a movie. And it's it's everything that you want from kind of old school Ben Wheatley. It's, you know... Kill it, list it, it, Ben Wheatley. Yeah, kind of kill list the field in England, mm-hmm. Ben Wheatley. It leans maybe more into the the kind of psychedelia of a field in England towards the end. Okay. Um but the the kind of premise of the movie, the setup essentially is guy shows up um to go and work on like a some sort of scientific experiment with a doctor he used to work with at an institute. Um this is all during COVID, so but she's in some remote area in the woods in England. So he has like, there's a kind of station that he has to go through first to be decontaminated and all the rest. And then he sets off with a guide and they head off into the woods. It's a three day trek to this base of operation that she's working on. And they get less than a day into the woods and shit just starts going like weird. Like their shoes go missing, like, like all that, all this stuff. Um, and then the, they bump into this guy who seems to maybe be, um, a guy who's living off the land, uh, played by Rhys Shearsmith, who's from a field in England, who's fucking amazing in this. Um, and maybe he is not what they think, and maybe he's a wee bit crazier than they think he is. Um, and yeah, but I, I can't give you any more detail there. But it's it, the the premise of the idea all stems back to a painting that they see at the beginning, which is this kind of paganistic painting which is about um, essentially like a, a rune stone and the ability to to commune with uh, with um, nature. And uh, that's as far as I'll, it is. Oh, man. I, I, thought, it was, I thought it was great. All right. Absolutely great. Um, I, there's just something. Still to this day, there's something about Ben Wheatley. Even, I, I mean, I wasn't the biggest fan of Rebecca. I thought Rebecca was an okay telling of a, a story, which is an okay story, if I'm honest. Um, but there is just something about his ability to just make things unsettling. Like, <laughs> just, like, like just small scenes where you're like, I don't like this. Um, there is a visual gag uh, with an infected foot and a hatchet um and a scene that plays out far too long (laughs) and and not long as in i didn't like it as in like to the point where i was like oh just chop his foot off or don't (laughs) come let's get this scene over with so uh yes i i thought was i thought it was was brilliant um so yeah if you get a chance check that out i know it's available in the states it's going to be available in the uk in cinemas this month so um, I had a screener from when it came out in the States. It's taken me ages to get around to watching it as well. So I don't know why, because like I said before, Wheatley's arguably one of my favourite directors walking the planet right now. Um, but I'm glad that I, I finally got a chance to check it out. And I will be going to see it at the cinema as well, just to to give him some money. Because um, I, I like to do that where I can. But yeah, it was... Um, 
It's really good. It's, I, I thought it was brilliant. Such a simple idea, such a simple premise, but in the hands of Wheatley, it's elevated quite a bit. So hey, you don't have to be fancy to make a great movie. Some of mm-hmm. you know, like we talked about Midnight Run recently, and oh, yeah. you know, I mean, that is a movie about a guy taking uh, a, a, a another guy. Yeah. from one end of the country to the other and it's a <laughs> it fantastic- doesn't like to fly what the fuck does that mean <laughs> listen to me if don't fuck with me on this or i will kill him and i'll leave him in a fucking ditch uh the, one of the great visual jokes is that shake of the head that de niro gives like like no 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 you're fine um yeah. <laughs> and and the repetition of why why aren't you popular with the chicago police yeah. <laughs> it's oh that movie is so good uh i was talking about that with with gary recently as a matter of fact mm. as well um yeah it's, it's such a good movie we did a commentary on it you can go yeah. back and check the archives listeners and uh, and listen to us talk over that movie and that audio is way better than the early shows um <laughs> all right what what else uh what other new movies have you seen here um the other one that's probably worth mentioning i know we had slightly different opinions of it um is the empty man so that one yeah. was recommended to me never got a release in the uk um oh it really it, and yeah. that your show just dropped on that right today yes yeah. literally okay. I, like, it dropped uh this morning so yep, uh yep. the day we were recording uh essentially the empty man came out in that kind of what was it four week period that cinemas were allowed to open before they were closed again um and it was one of the titles that came out, and it was a weird release, and it wasn't pushed at all. The market behind it was terrible, and it's technically like I did a lot of like deep diving to find out, like because I watched the movie and I was like, why was this movie not bigger than what it was? It's essentially the last movie released by Twentieth um, Century Fox before the rebrand from Disney. So, oh wow yeah that movie got caught in a lot of mess then yeah so basically like the, the the story there's this amazing like hour interview with the director on youtube talking about the whole experience but the movie's like two hours 20 minutes long which like i, I know for some people can seem quite daunting for a horror movie disney did not want to release a two hour and 20 minute horror movie so they made them cut it down to 90 minutes right and then they played it test screened it and but they'd already test screened the original and it had scored not that well, so they chopped it down nine minutes, test screened it again. The score was lower than the two or twenty minute. <laughs> like audiences didn't like it at all because I can't imagine how you would chop fifty minutes out of that movie like at all. Like, yeah, yeah. like and, like, and have like, it make any kind of sense, right? Yeah, that didn't make any sense to me. So I think essentially they were like just like just get out, just release it. Um, so there was no push behind it or anything. My enduring memory was that movie came out in the States for, like, like I say, a couple of weeks. And critically, it was shat upon. Like, no one liked it. Audience scores were pretty low. Rotten Tomatoes, as a, as a kind of indicator at the time, I think it was like less than 20% critical score, less than 20% audience score. And, I mean, I'm, I will go... I will still check out a movie if the critical score is really low and the audience score is high. Um, or vice versa, because to me there's something there that says I should be checking it out. Uh, the one that I always go back to is Godzilla King of Monsters, which I think got like something like it's like 25% critical score, but like 90% audience score. <clears throat> and I was like, that totally going to fucking see that movie. The audience loves it. Um, you know, but I'll I'll do it the other way around, where like a movie like Midsummer, for example, had a ridiculously high 
critical score, but not a great audience score. I'm still like, well, look at that critical score. So, you know, but if they're both really low, there's not enough time in the world to watch everything, Bo. So, sure, um, yeah. So so I just remember Man going... is 63% audience. Yeah. Or oh, no, 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 reverse of that. 63% yeah. critic, 39% audience. Yeah, it isn't now. Uh, at the time it came out, it wasn't. Um, it was low when it came out. It was like 10 reviews or something for it when it came out. Um, and it, yeah, it took, a, it took a bit of pummeling. And so I was like, oh, you know, I, I'm never going to watch this. And Watson, that I do, I did season one of Opera Omnia with, um, he dropped me a line and said, have you checked out The Empty Man? You should really do that. And I went back to him to say, that movie didn't get a great score. <laughs> uh, and he came back to me and was like, that. I think we'd have a really interesting conversation. I was like, cool, I will check it out. I thought it was brilliant. Like, I, I genuinely thought it was brilliant. Um, it actually it, it caught me on the back foot by... Here's, here's my thing about this, right? Here's my, like, here's my, my, my kind of two-pitched approach to talking about the movie. First thing is, as horror fans, we do nothing but moan that studios are only willing to invest money in remakes or sequels, right? We don't get any great brand new sort of content, like with money behind it. And the budget for Empty Man is a lot of money. It's over 20 million, I think, uh, for that movie, which, you know, for a two hour and 20 minute movie, that seems pretty high from a guy who's, I think he's, a, I think that's his first movie as well. Like before that, he did a ton of work for DVD extras on Fincher projects. So if you owned any of the old DVDs for like Seven or Fight Club or whatever, all that really cool interactive like featurette shit was him. It's this guy. That's what he's done. He's never made a movie before. So I think it's based on his script as well. So he got like somehow financed all this money from 20th Century Fox to make original content a two hour and 20 minute horror movie. So a movie like that comes out and people just don't go and fucking see it. Now, granted, it came out during COVID, it was an awkward time and whatnot, but like I see, like I I that like, it, it makes me scratch my head that there's just not a pool of people out there that like is like, well, it's not, you know, all we do is moan about these things not happening, and when something comes across, we just don't support it. Um, and that to me, that that is why movies like that won't happen again. Um the other one was like that movie, like A Cure for Wellness, which I actually think those two movies would pair really well together. Um, a Cure for Wellness, but like, I, like no one went to see that movie. It cost loads of money. Looks yeah. gorgeous. It's uh, once again over a two-hour movie. Um, has a specific visual style and a specific kind of original quality feel to it. No one went to see it. And then the second thing that makes me really want to kind of promote the movie is, to me, it is 100% what the Bye Bye Man should have been. I I absolutely agree with that. I like I wasn't crazy about Empty Man. I thought it was I thought it was kind of fine. It, it, it was a little long for my taste. Like I like I don't know what you would cut out, but I'm yeah. of the mind that something you know. But that said, it's got like a 25 minute cold open, which yeah. the fucking balls on your debut movie to do a 25 minute cold open. I was like, this guy, this, this guy. It's, right yeah, here. it's nothing if not ambitious. And, mm -hmm. and, and yes, and the world should have more movies like this where they're taking chances and doing weird stuff. But, but to your point, it is, yes, it is, it is exactly what the Bye Bye Man should have been if somebody yeah. more talented had been at the helm of the <laughs> Bye Bye Man. Yeah, I thought it was great. I like there's there's a specific level of nihilism in the messaging in that movie, specifically about the philosophy behind it. 
that really like I really gravitated to um and then the, it just stuck with me like like days after watching it I was thinking about more elements in the movie and going well actually that does make sense in relation to like, it's like the reverse a quiet place and now when a quiet place finishes I'm like why don't they just live beside the running water yeah like, it, yes. you know what I mean like that makes fucking sense you know like it's like the reverse of that so when things were finishing I was trying to pick it apart and I was like I mean there's you could argue there's maybe a, a like a bit of a get out of jail free card being played in an empty man and that anything that you try and overthink can be almost dismissed greatly in uh well he's a tulpa it's all perceived the way that it's been written for him so anything that contextually doesn't make sense post-viewing is just something they've written into the script that he believes happens um which i'm once again i am i am fine with yeah i I thought it was great i thought it was was it's definitely interesting it's a, a unique film um I will, yeah, I'll throw my, I didn't, I'm not going to get all uh, greedy with my movie (laughs) selections. I'm just going to give you one. Um, But you talked about a quiet place. Yeah, I I know, I know. I I just like fucking with you. Um, (laughs) I enjoyed uh, a a documentary that I watched recently called uh, David Bowie Finding Fame. Oh, wow. And it is a documentary that charts uh, about five or six years of Bowie's um, younger years from Mm -hmm. the time of about like 66 to 72, Mm -hmm. uh, right up up to and including Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars. And it's it's fascinating. It's, It's an interesting profile of a dude who was looking all around him for who he was supposed to be mm-hmm. and and having a, a, a very quick realization of like, oh, I've just got to do my own shit. And, you know, it, it it's kind of warts and all. He was a very opportunistic guy in those years who would form a band just to have the experience of a of performing a kind of music. And then mm-hmm. when it didn't work, he would just... It wasn't like, we'll get them next time, boys. It was just like, all right, see you later, everybody. I'm going to go make Bye. this other band. Yeah, yeah. He just he just kept going on and on. And even including when he was kind of performing as Ziggy Stardust, like his band found out on stage that they were no longer going to be performing as Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars. Mm. You know? So, you know, like Bowie's a genius at all. Kind of an asshole. Um, yeah. But... It does give you a great, uh, again, kind of a, a great uh, sort of panorama shot of here's where he began. And Hawks, right? All right, well, I'll get to the bottom of this. Keep yeah. going. Well, like her cat, like he's forever been talking about the idea of her daughter who survives in that movie taking vengeance on Uma Thurman and doing like a Kill Bill three, like make that a TV show. You know what I mean? long form as she like like she she would go through her backstory her training and all the rest like do that on a netflix or an amazon or something that would be amazing um and the fact that that hasn't come up because like like, when you watch stuff by like nicholas we've spoken about this before nicholas wind and reffin like i love his stuff in movies and then we saw that tv show for amazon and it melted my brain because it's like this is it was really good yeah yeah this is what an auteur can do with long form 
Um, it allows them to do, you know, it allows them to be more experimental, avant-garde, and really be themselves. And it was incredible. So, like, you imagine Tarantino doing something like that. Fucking, you'd have to scrape my brains off the wall. So, yeah, you are correct. Copperhead is uh, Vivica Fox's code name. Mm-hmm. Um, interestingly, as I was looking that up, one of the things uh, Vivica Fox said in in relation to, hey, you know, there has been talk of continuing the kill bill story with her daughter yeah um she says yeah yeah that sounds like a great idea make it zendaya and i was like oh that is good that's good casting yeah, yeah. good good job vivica fox way to nowhere <laughs> but yeah that's you mean like to me do that like do that limited run uh eight episodes like eight chapters go, mm-hmm. go that each of them's an hour um, you can do it's crazy kung fu. You could do so many homages to whatever he wanted, um, as as you know, basically the the daughter is working her way to try and find the you know the bride who is ultimately settled down now, and she she starts to realize that someone's getting close, so she has to dig out her old Hattori Hanzo sword and get back to training. But she's got a daughter now, and oh, like the, the, I mean. Make that shit happen. Like, yeah. like, so see if you're Amazon, you've got all the money in the world, Amazon. Just speak to Quentin Tarantino and make it fucking happen. I'm sure somebody has approached it. Like you said, like yeah. between Amazon, Hulu, Netflix, HBO, whoever, they uh, Disney Plus probably even but yeah. back the dump truck. <laughs> Of money up to his house, yeah. and was like, "Please make anything for." Well, that, well, this is the thing as well. If Tarantino does finish on his final movie, that's his final movie. There's absolutely nothing to say that he won't transition to TV. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, which I mean, would be interesting. He's definitely, you know, been in that playground. Like he did, uh, like an ER episode, and I think maybe like, a Law and see, Order or something. Did he CSI? I think CSI. That's what it was, right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you know, he has dipped his toe into those waters before just for goof so uh yeah well now that we have solved those problems duncan solved all the problems well except one which is how we make slasher a good tv show (laughs) so all right let's let's just get into this thing uh this is of course uh episode three of season two of slasher it's called saint sebastian (sighs) is the the name of this one and uh let's let's dive right in so it begins with as we mentioned in the upfront uh robin uh playing batman ironically um right let's let's just start like i like i made a statement i i don't know if it we had like officially went live at that point or not but what i said is the opening five minutes of dialogue in this tv show puts back gay rights about 25 maybe 30 years it's just written by someone who clearly doesn't understand how like gay people speak like at all like they don't yeah. like they don't refer to themselves in the terms of the but even the even the guy who is parked in the you know the the homophobe uh that appears in this alleyway that we're about to get to does not speak like a homophobic person it's just it's, it's so wooden <laughs> it's like it's, it's so cringy badly written shit um yeah well it uh, so we at least start to get some backstory of like robin and renee a little bit here so yeah because the first thing that because we're getting a three three years previous like robin and renee coming out a club and i'm like that right one of these characters is going to die 
in this mm-hmm. episode because that's what we do on Slasher Boy. I don't know if you know that. And the upfront, if you see a character in a flashback, they're not going to be with us at the end. That's right. Yeah. Not not too mysterious, Slasher. You're not you're not so sneaky. Yeah, freaking, uh, uh, but yeah, they, they're coming out. Robin's had a, a, a hard time, basically, in uh, some altercation where someone is trying to make his partner jealous by hitting on him. Um, and he, you know, feels a bit used. He's sick of this gay scene, um, these gay clubs and all the rest. And, you know, he's, he's, he's not having a great night. And then he decides to go for a walk down a dark alleyway right worth noting yeah. renee is lesbian yeah and is there with we her did girlfriend not know. yeah and yeah and she's when when they part ways, she's like okay well we're gonna go home see you later and yeah. he's like yeah thanks lesbian friends and <laughs> and that yeah, it takes off down this alley uh, where, as you said, he runs into this homophobic dude who just apparently is out cruising the neighborhood for opportunities to be homophobic. Literally, and he's like, if, if the like at first, what I thought the scene was going to be was like a rape scene. I thought that's yeah. how they were setting up. You know, like this guy is you know like taking it out on gay people because he doesn't want to admit himself that he is gay that oh which i mean would have been a much better written scene and probably more truer to life than what we actually get here but what like <laughs> uh so robin, the guy like robin is gay batman right because yeah. he's not he's not the hero that the city wants but he's a hero the city needs apparently well, so um, this guy this whole conversation is or not conversation the altercation is this guy kind of you know starting to push robin around and robin's yeah. like you don't want to do this. <laughs> he's <much> like, <laughs> swear to me. Um, like, <laughs> 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 uh, and as he's, as the guy like shoves him down, he's like, oh yeah. Uh, and oh, Robin says, it's bad karma. And, yeah, it's bad. <laughs> and the guy is like, hey, Look, uh, as many times as I've done this, as many times mm-hmm. as I've beaten up some gay guy, where's the karma? Yeah. And Robin, of course, says, me, I'm the karma. <laughs> and <laughs> this the ever-loving shit out of this yeah, guy. Like, beats, out of nowhere. And he ends, and I'm not going to use the, the, the oh, word yeah, that's necessarily. What Once again, just really, like, outdated like i don't think these slurs are maybe i'm wrong but maybe i'm just like distance too far from how the how the homophobes talk it's just the whole conversation is it just feels very tawdry and poorly poorly conceived yes but yeah robin kicks the shit out of this guy um basically says and uh i'm gonna well we'll we'll uh, gloss over some of the language saying you know I hope you tell your, your friends that a gay guy basically did this to you yeah. but then this is the bit that confuses me it looks like it looks like he like crushes this guy's face Yeah, he puts his Dude. head in, in between the you know the door of the truck and the, and the actual open door and then kicks yeah. it closed. Yeah. So yeah, I think like, he straight up murders this dude. Right. So yeah. So like, because we, we then get the, like we get the following day where, well, we'll come back to the, the clip later on where we have the following day of him 
basically disposing of his clothes. Yeah. <laughs> contain- and I'm like, what? <laughs> like, yeah. So, he, all right. So that's, people that's... murder people. Is that, is that the thing in this show? Just everyone's a murderable. That, yeah, I think that's the case is that, you know, everybody's a guilty party and <laughs> in oh, this episode. God, no. Um, so the, and that's our, our pre-title sequence. Yeah. Then the we, name of our, our friend, what's his name again? Aaron Martin or whatever it is. Yes. Aaron. Yeah, his yes. name comes up and I'm just like, Ugh. well done as always. <laughs> yes. Well done. Yes. Uh. Um, th- so we, now we're back in the present where Kira and Mark Stroganoff have found the body of Susan from the previous episode. Yeah. And I then Susan is what I'm calling her now. <laughs> yeah. It's, and so then Noah, Noah, Peter and uh, Dawn, roll up on them and they're like holy shit susan's dead oh yeah they come they come running up the hill and mark's like don't come round, don't come round." and i think the first i think it's dawn comes around she's like that she's got no eyes yeah <laughs> but that's the bit your eyes are fixated on not the fact that she basically looks like fucking pinhead sex doll i right. mean like what what, what we're doing here um yeah she's and, uh, just been mauled Oh, she's like, yeah, like she's like almost gnarly unrecognizable, right? Um, and then we we jumped <laughs> we jumped to them all in the cabin together mm. now because that whole you stay in your cabin and don't come out thing and we'll be over here in our cabin and only bring you food thing didn't really work though. No. Um and, and so Robin's on super high alert because he's definitely uh in full Batman mode at this point. <laughs> <laughs> So one of you kids killed this girl. And I love the fact that his name is Robin and we're calling him Batman. Yeah. It's just it's made my it's made my month. Uh, and of course, Peter uh, is like, "Look, we couldn't have done it, number one. We were locked yeah. in our cabin the whole time. <laughs> you did that, remember? Yeah, you you locked us in there. Look what happened. Although I love Noah, like Noah, like Noah was like that. Well, actually, you two went into your room and like, God damn." No, you had one job. Shut the fuck up. Everybody looks at. Me, Shut up, Noah. <laughs> it, it, that is pretty funny. And then yeah, he's like, "Sorry." Um... And then Robin is like, "How about you tell me a little more about this girl, Talvinder?" Yeah. And they're like, "Oh, we don't know anything about her." Yeah. Wink, wink. Nudge, nudge. Right. Every day is like, "All right, look, we're we're not getting anywhere." Everybody just go go try to get some sleep and we're all going to go down the mountain in the morning. Mm-hmm. And then we have a moment with Kira, who I think is the secret hero of, of the show. I think she, she might be our final girl. Yeah. Although I did then suddenly have a theory about her, which we'll get to. Okay. I, my theories have not evolved because the show has not evolved. Yeah, well, the show hasn't. Like, what I love about this is that the show has not evolved at all to the point where the show is actively like we said certain things in the previous episode, and it's almost as if Anne Martin's like that. Hmm, maybe they'll pick up on this too quick, so we'll just insert a lot of misdirection in this episode that it just makes it, it so clearly reinforces the point. Yeah. Um, you know, but then the other thing was that, like, the, even characters in here make reference to certain conversations we had in the previous episode, specifically as pertains to Mark Stroganoff having two conversations with two characters that died right after, as if to reinforce this could be a red herring. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, Mark Stroganoff is definitely not the villain. No, no, uh, no, 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 no. But she does. Kira catches Gene, uh, of course, our Brimley character making us another steak, <laughs> and it's she's like, "Why are you eating all that meat here? You know we're all vegetarians." He's like, "Look, there's what I do. Goddamn it, I'm gonna eat a steak." <laughs> he's like, "Goddamn pig knuckle, goddamn it." Yeah, that's that's right. He's making pig knuckles. Yeah, but and... she has to quantify as not the knuckle of a pig. Right. I'm yeah. Like, I'm like, I think everyone, even vegans, understand that. Eh, I mean, did I they, didn't. Did you not? Uh, you actually thought it was physically a pig's. You thought pigs had knuckles to begin with, and that would be a juicy bit of steak to eat. And and dogs can't look up. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I believe lots of things, Duncan. You do have red on you, Bo. I, um, so, uh, so, yeah. But yeah, and so Robin shows up and, and kind of creeps up behind Renee and is like, hey, can we talk outside for five minutes? A <laughs> <laughs> little late in the game to get a voice for him, but you know, so be it. And, yeah, I'm going to miss it. I'm going to miss it after this episode as well. Yeah. Spoilers, I'm about to die. Well, what I love about this is like that. I need to speak to you outside in five minutes, but make it discreet. And she's like, What? And he's like, That five minutes. And she's like, I'm not going outside. And he's like, Five minutes. <laughs> like, five minutes. And, um, we get maybe one of the most puzzling things about this show that this literally makes zero fucking sense. Like, the whole thing uh, makes zero sense. And we're going to get into it in a second because their meeting outside is hmm interesting yeah so we'll we'll double back real quick but let, let's put a, a bow on what's going on with them so mm -hmm. she goes out to meet him in this area where they're like it's an addition they're putting on or something it's like a construction area it almost looks yeah. like uh which is weird but anyway so they go out there and <laughs> robin is just like guess what i got in this chest and she's like, I don't know, a body. And he's like, good guess. And he opens it up, and sure enough, there's Talvinder's body that he's got just in a chest. And uh, he's like, no one can find out about this. Yeah, she's like, what like, the fuck are you doing? Well, Rennie is Rennie's the audience here, and she's like, why the fuck do you have that body in, yeah. Yeah, in the chest? And then we get his, his justification for this is is to the point it's not even just head scratching it just does not make a fucking lick of sense so basically um he was out foraging as you do bo uh yes. with his little book of things to forage and he comes across a rock pile which he thinks might have some sort of fungus growing on it which he's trying to find well i think and he's looking for a cave and the the plants are leading him to this cave i think. yeah yeah, I think maybe. And he comes across this rock pile, which clearly looks like a grave. Uh, yes. <laughs> a grave for him, like a missing camp counsellor. Um, and he, he, he moves the stone away and finds the body. And, you know, he's shocked by this. And because he touches the skeleton, he thinks that this will put DNA on it that the police will then track back to him who, like, he would have to say he found the body and that's why I touched him, but that would make him a suspect. And that's not how that works because I'm fairly sure he wasn't on that hill five years ago. 
I'm also fairly sure he probably has an alibi. Or if he doesn't, he can prove that he was nowhere near the camp five years ago, which means he couldn't have killed her. So even if he finds the body and touches the body, that rules you as being a suspect. Right, but his point is not like he can't have the police... Well, all right, so he's got two excuses. One, Yeah, but this uh, gets even more stupid with the second excuse. Of course it does. (laughs) But so the first reason is like, oh, we're about to close a deal on this property, and I didn't want this body to screw things up that that was discovered. Second of all, I don't want the cops digging around in my past because, you know, of me being gay Batman and all. Yeah. And... Uh, he says, like, I should have come to you. I should have come to you, but I was scared. I was scared. And uh, she's like, well, what other what other surprises do you have in store for me? And he's like, nothing. I swear. That is the last secret. <laughs> she's like, you swear to me? Swear to me. Um, like, but the, thing, the thing about it is, right, right, you remove the body from there to close the sale. Yeah. doesn't really make sense you just put the stone over it six months later you go back out you move the stone again and you, you claim that that's when you found the body or even if you move the body out just put the body back right do you think a land surveyor is going to be looking in look, at every look, rock like, fucking like like sam neil from jurassic park's going to come out to do like this big archaeological dig that's not how that works so it's like the more he mentioned it and yeah they're going to dig in the past right they're right they're going to dig in your past and find that you were gay batman but at the same time you still weren't on that hill five years ago so you're not a suspect in the death of talvinder so you are fine but yeah. like, you are clear you are plain sailing and it makes zero fucking sense and but on the flip side of this talvinder's body was hung up in that first episode from the trees. right well clearly somebody knows he has it because this body well, goes all say, over like, the place in this episode yeah like this is just like it's just fucking riddled with plot holes but like so this has been hot there so someone knew the body was there we know who knew the body was there because we know who the killer is uh this <laughs> this body skitters between characters like the antidote from temple of doom <laughs> 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 all right so duncan let, let's pivot very quickly away from from k batman and renee to uh dawn and judith and in particular yes. judith we'll follow her character for a second there's a scene where dawn and judith are, are kind of chatting but being super suspicious of one another because they're going to be roomies right and judith is like look everybody came to this place because uh they're broken shut up ren Everybody came to this place because they're broken (laughs) and you just need to be respectful of everybody's space. And she's like, "Uh uh-huh, I'm going to go brush my teeth. And then just goes rooting around in, in Robin's room. It's just like, well, the thing is like, but it's not like Robin, Robin's room's the next room along. She has to go through like three rooms to get to this room. And then she just starts going through drawers and nightstands and all the rest and eventually lifts his mattress up finds the gun is like that yoink yeah my gun um he 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 let me go back to this room now with my teeth unbrushed but hiding a gun um so like don has the gun yes so remember don has the gun so our our kids have the weapon back so yay right so later judith 
is hanging out with Ren in the living room by the fireplace, and he is helping her fold blankets. Ed. Oh, fuck this. Well, <laughs> like, honestly. Well, they are folding blankets. Uh, Mark Stroganoff is kind of looking at him through the kitchen as he's having coffee or whatever. And it's just yeah. like, oh, boy, these this crazy, <laughs> this poor crazy woman. Look, look at her talking to herself in the living room like this. Well, this is the show clearly understands that maybe it gave away a bit too much on episode number two. Um, so it is going to double down real hard on Judas doing things and people are observing her doing things and Ren is there as well, but no character is reacting in such a way to make you potentially think that Ren isn't real. However, yeah. Ren isn't real. There's, uh, there's a, the, there's a, like the pinnacle of the ridiculousness of the Ren stuff comes a little bit later. Oh yeah, like oh yeah, like and and the bit where he's just talking and people are waiting a couple of seconds and then talking as if they may be responding. But yes, totally aren't. yes. Um, um, that's the the most ridiculous. See if we get the montage of Ren not being in all those scenes from a position of like like so like Aaron Martin's made them all refilm those scenes with Ren not in there. Yeah. I'm gonna be so pissed off because it's not clever. No, <laughs> it's no really this, not clever. Right. For all the people that were like, well season two's a little bit better than season one, what are you talking about? Th- this season is eight times dumber than season one. Oh god yeah, yeah. A- this one's been like this one's fallen off the top of the dumb tree and hit every branch on the way to <laughs> it's quite good. And so Mark Stroganoff is telling all the kids uh, who are in the kitchen not looking at Ren, and he's like, oh, it's three o'clock, the devil's hour. Yeah. And somebody's like, wait, Noah, I thought that was it's Noah again, Noah. dumb fucking Noah that no one likes. Um, well, actually, it's midnight, and he's like, oh, I bet you will actually my dick. <laughs> a- actually, it's 3 a.m. Midnight is the, the witch's hour. 3 a.m. is the darkest hour. And also because Jesus died at 3 o'clock is something that I didn't know. Well, this is like he he, he finished his talking, and um, Glenn, like our our Brimley characters, like that, is like, okay, I'll bite. Why is it called the devil's hour? And he's like, well, Jesus. Uh, Jesus died um, on the cross at 3 p.m. GMT. 3 p.m. GMT. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) And um, as a result of that, the devil decided that he would have a party to pervert it 12 hours after because mm-hmm. that's how you invert things i don't know if you know that Bob. well that's, that's just evil i'm yeah, surprised that like... it doesn't have a goatee <laughs> yeah. um i like but he's like, he's like that so yeah all the demons goblins and stuff like that this is our time of party at three in the morning i'm like why are we having this conversation man is the most evil creature like <laughs> You mean it's like looking fucking around? There's three dead people, and none of them died at three in the morning. Fucking Stroganoff. Uh, um, yeah, and so Mark Stroganoff ends the, his little tale of the Devil's Hour with, "All right, we just all need to trust each other long enough that we can all go to sleep." <laughs> After I told you this creepy story about how the devil is constantly among us yeah. in at this very hour, and over the corner, Rin is like, "Hey, I'll stay up and keep watch." He's literally what he does, and no one's like, thanks, Ren, which is how you prove he's a real character. Yeah. You know what I mean? 
like oh. or like someone even looking at his direct nothing like that. Like so they all they, they buddy up so Stroganoff and um and John Luke Picard, they're gonna be bunk mates. Yeah. And uh Glenn and uh Noah. All right. The mo- like, who I genuinely thought like I was like ah, this is a great team. Like I, yes. I kinda like it. Uh, I, but like Noah has to go and fuck this in the ass as well later on. Destroys a beautiful Noah. friendship, boy. God damn it, Noah. So Glenn uh, and Noah are, are bunking together, and Glenn is like, "Well, listen, let me give you the lay of the land here. First of all, I got a bladder the size of a pea. God damn it! So I'm gonna be up and down all night and hitting the bathroom, just like Wilford Brimley. And yeah, and Noah, <laughs> rest in power, Wilford Brimley. Yeah. Uh, Noah, meanwhile, is like, "Hey, I, uh, you know, on account of me." Uh, you know being hurt and all i i would really like something to dull the pain but nobody has any booze or anything around here and glenn's like all right listen to me god damn it i got uh, a little bit of a, a a pharmacy here in this drawer now don't tell another living soul about this and you can have maybe some ibuprofen yeah and so he gives them some painkillers and then glenn is like well i gotta take a shit and then he it's takes the off. He's like, it's the legendary. He's like, I'm crowning here. Uh. <laughs> I'm prairie dogging. Uh, no, I, I gotta, gotta head to the head. Huh? God damn it. And then inside the bathroom, Glenn just kind of bends down and watches Noah through a keyhole as he starts to undress. Or as Noah is starting to undress. And I'm like, oh my God, is, do we have like a big gay Glenn in this which, in this show, yeah. which maybe, which once again, I'm kind of I'm fine with. Well, of course, with character, but once again, do, do we have to do we have to paint gay characters in this light bow on slasher? Like after the opening, it's just badly written. Like we've yeah. already got the fact that you know we're inverting things and we're like trying to be clever with what we'll, I think Martin thinks he's trying to be clever with what he's doing um, and like socially aware but he's really really not uh, but yeah Glenn watches him undress through a keyhole um, clearly not taking a shit nah. um, well I, I'm gonna crank it it's a <laughs> it's gonna, it's gonna Norman, Norman Bates it. it I'm gonna make my, my penis poop Oh, fuck's sake, both. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I almost didn't say it, and I wish I had. <laughs> but yeah, it's like we get that scene, and so like we know that Glenn's already he he doesn't exactly play by the rules of the commune, and that he is a big old meat eater. Um, apparently, in more ways than one. <laughs> um, and he, he like he specifically says there is a you know there's a moratorium here on drugs of any kind they're just like the, the meat stuff i get away with right because it's not forced veganism but the drug thing absolutely 100 percent no so like noah you need and knows like mum's a word uh, and all the rest so he cannot he cannot talk about this at all the secret stash of drugs um and yeah we kind of leave that scene there not really doing anything except maybe giving glenn a bit of a backstory maybe yeah and when you kind of in a minute we'll get the full monty on glenn and he becomes a much yeah. more sympathetic character even though i liked him already but 100 percent, yeah um, but all right so let's <laughs> let's get back to the adventures of gay batman and renee who are heading out to the ice with this body and this big ass ice drill 
Yeah, like the the loudest, biggest ice drill ever to secretly hide a body in an abandoned wood area right beside a camp where everyone's on edge. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, it's good timing. No one's arguing that. And we flash back to three years ago where we get sort of the origin story of the camp where after Robin murdered this dude. Yeah, he's, he's put all these bloody murder clothes in a bag and you know is going to strategically and carefully place them in a bin out the front yeah and renee does my move which is to yell uh, apparently they're neighbors yes and renee is just like hey man you would come over and smoke a joint well she she do you want some tea some canning tea Uh, that's right yeah she's a cup of canning tea which turns out to be uh, marijuana. Yeah, that's um, like, like when I I tell my buddy, "Hey, I need to pick up a couple of tickets for this weekend." <laughs> uh, it's all very sneaky, Duncan. And <laughs> and she's telling him like, "Hey, you know, we we get along so well. We have such a good time." And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boy, I uh, I I sure haven't uh been murdering anybody or anything, but." If I could he get claims, out of the city. He claims to her that the, his, his punched eye was an accident with him tripping and falling over in the wee hours of the morning, which mm. she totally doesn't believe, and nor should he, she, because yeah. it's terrible. <laughs> and after they, you know, <laughs> the weed really starts to kick in. Yeah. Um, oh, then, like, this is the most stoner conversation ever. Like, yeah. it's, the, it's the greatest thing ever, because, like, they go from... Like loving where they live to want to live completely off the land in a commune. <laughs> yeah, well, and Renee pitches the idea of this camp where she's like, you know, we we do it where there's no judgment and everything's decided as a group, and there's yep. no there's no drinking, there's no drugs, there's no judgment. There's no leader. Yeah, right. None, no weed tea, none of that. We're gonna have to put yep. all that behind us. But it would be, you know, a paradise on earth. And Robin is like. Yeah, I could get out of the city. That'd be real good right now. Yeah, he says it while he's looking at the bin containing his murder clothes. <laughs> he, is, he is a terrible villain, and or a terrible criminal. And uh, <laughs> don't don't look in that bin. I I'm not going to look through your trash. Good, don't do it. Yeah, there, there's nothing in there for you. There's no kind of incriminating evidence. What is there incriminating evidence in that bin? How did you know? <laughs> Swear to me, uh, right? Uh, so he's he's like so yeah. So th- this is the birth of the camp. Basically, it came yeah. out of a conversation with them high as fuck on Rennie's porch with with um, him needing to get out of the city for criminal reasons and and her kind of going along with it. And there's a really and also that this is the kind of beginning of their relationship, which yes. we now find that is purely a relationship based on convenience this is not this is a a kind of like a more spiritual connection than it is a physical one because and these are her words she loves the vagina and the labia oh my god it is so it's a line in this show from a gay character a gay female character i love that vagina and that labia we should apologize just for discussing this episode during pride month yeah, well, this is the, like we like th- that. This was what was going through the back of my head at him is we could not have timed this worsely. Uh, yeah, which <laughs> I mean, it, it it is truly shocking. It's how... some of the worst dialogue. 
Yeah. I've, I've like, see, like he, just, you know what? Like, just speak to some people that are openly gay and just ask them how they speak to their other openly gay friends and right. just use that. You work in the arts. I yeah. guarantee you someone on staff is gay. Yes. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, you yeah. Know? You just, just run the to... script past them and be like, does this sound like something that you as a human being would ever say? Oh, it doesn't. Oh, right. It sounds like, oh, right. That, well, let's change it then. Yeah. That's what you do. It is horrible dialogue and it, it's cringy to watch. And yeah, but, like I, that's what I was thinking. And once again, I watched this episode while pinned in the treadmill today. Yeah. And um, this is like, as soon as she said that, like, I, my eyes rolled. <laughs> back for a start and i almost went off the treadmill um you got to be careful doing that with this show man this show will kill you (laughs) it's just like i could i couldn't believe it but yeah this is uh, so their relationship as we now know it is a relationship built on on essentially their spiritual connection as two people that have a great relationship in every capacity is it physical yes uh there's a really cringy line too where he says um i wish i could find something like what we have only with uh our parts liking each other or something and it's just like oh god this is just the worst and so then we cut back to present to try to rid ourselves of this terrible memory yeah and and he can't get the drill started and he's he's like like, he's like swearing like a motherfucker as well this drill's a piece of shit and uh, he says, "Look, this earth is too frozen. I'm not gonna be able to bury a body in this." And he decides. He decides. I'm just gonna break up the body and the smaller parts, and we'll just scatter them. Which, once again, you could have done. Uh-huh. Like this could have been done. Like you just break up the shatter the bones, spread them like feed throughout the woods, um, and that would have been a better idea than hosting the body in a trunk for a year. I, yeah, I like in a how room right beside them where everyone else lives. I really like how he says, "Hey, I've got a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> how about how about we break up this body and bury it around the camp like a scavenger hunt?" <laughs> well, I guess like Renny wants to help and he won't let her help. And as soon as he starts like breaking up the bones, he's like, "Ooh, <laughs> <And> this like <laughs> I was like, you clearly dug up the body yeah. and put it in a fucking box, yeah." And anyways, like, like, but like when he goes to break the second thing, our head comes up like a scene from Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom, and he's like, Aah! and he falls back, and I'm like, you're like one, but like there's a bit, there's a bit here as well where he's he's talking about they have to hurry up and keep quiet, but he then he's like that I need to I need to break up and burn this fucking body, and I'm like. Everyone just is happily to scream about death and murder and this giant open space where everyone else can hear you. Um, I, I like that Renee finally comes around. As, as soon as the body starts popping up, she's like, we can't do this. Like, we have yeah. to we have to do the right thing. We have to call the police. We have to get this poor girl back to her parents so they know what happened to her, that they can bury her properly and all that. Yes. And he's just like, yeah, yeah, okay. That sounds like a great idea. I'm, I'm really coming around. Yeah. And... <laughs> They like come in from outdoors while everybody else is having breakfast, and everybody's yeah. like, "Where the fuck have you two been?" Well, the thing is, like, like we would assume, well, me and you would assume that all the body parts would be put back in the chest. One would think, but apparently, that's not what Robin does. Uh, which, they just left. Yeah, they just 
we're just we're gonna talk about later because a a hand falls, Talvinder's hand falls into something later on, which like so either he put it in there and the killer, a prankster killer, like took the hand out and put it somewhere else, hoping that someone would open something for the hand to fall out. Or he forgot where the rest of the body was and he was just like, I'll just put it in here. <laughs> One of the two. Right. Yeah, like, he was high once more. And so, <laughs> I'll, I'll put the hand up here. No one will find it. I'll remember it's, where it is. I mean, I, I just, it doesn't make any fucking sense. But anyway, yeah. it's, so, I, and I'm sure that it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. But yeah, like the, the pass off is, uh, well, we're out doing our morning stretches and what i love is like robin is amped up like fuck right it's like there's no leaders in, there's no leaders in here so you can't ask me where i was right and then when she was like we're out doing yoga and like john looks like I don't know, I don't know, number one i'm sure that yoga calms you why are you so stressed <laughs> um finally you know what i mean it, it's really bad and then finally uh they're they're like okay well, let's we're gonna go down the mountain and Noah, uh, because he's the worst, is like, well, I can't go down the mountain. I've got frostbite, and I can't really <laughs> so literally walk. goes, let me tell you a couple of reasons why that's a bad idea. One and two, and he's pointing at his frostbitten fucking, right. like, like mummified foot. And um, I love Paul basically says to him, he's like, that, that, well, that's because there was two people outside panicking at night, running about the place, not knowing what they were doing. That's why you're like that, Noah, not any other reason. And um, he's like, listen, what we'll do is we'll split it into uh, one group. We'll take all the strongest people and we'll go down the hill to Jean's um, hut and, mm-hmm. and leave from that way. And the rest of you guys, all the weaklings, you can all stay here. And um, Judith... <laughs> we'll totally send someone back for you, number one. I yeah, mean, like, when we get around to it, we're going to be too busy being warm and comfortable. Yeah, like, meanwhile, Ren's in the back so that everyone knows I'm real, right? You can all see me, yeah. Everyone, everyone. Hey, everybody! No, no I'm just over here being real and existing. Yeah, I'm just existing in this scene, and um, like Judas, like that. I don't think it's a great idea to send all the strong people because what happens if there is a killer out there and that killer then comes to pick us off? Uh, and then Kira, Kira's like that. Um, well, actually, I know some self-defense. To which Glenn thinks this is hilarious as he's like once again eating because that's all Glenn does in the show is eat. Um, How about you show so Glenn, me a back kick, pretty lady? I'm going to eat my steak and eggs, God damn it! But he, he goes like that. He's like that. He, he says something along the lines of, "You know, that's so retarded" or something. And then Noah's like, "Well, you can't use that word anymore. You fucking retard." And I'm like, "Oh my god!" Oh, it's the oh the show is it's edgy, Duncan. So, yeah, so Glenn's going to go, Paul's going to go, Don's going to go. It's Peter, not Paul. I know it's easy, but yeah, it's Renee, Don, Mark, Glenn, and Peter are the five that are going to go down the mountain. Yeah, but like Don's like, I've got the gun in my bag, and Rennie speaks to Robin, and Robin's like, listen, take this walkie-talkie with me. It's a piece of shit, but it's got great range. Keep in touch if anything happens. And they all set off wandering. And meanwhile, we have some people left at camp. That people, The people being left at camp are Robin, Kira, Judith, Ren. <laughs> no one can yeah. see the quotation and mark Noah, for Ren. Yeah, of course, yeah. And Noah. Uh, so this is our two groups. We're splitting them up. Um, Judith goes upstairs and finds a note written by Ren in what can only be described as feminine writing. Um 
like old feminist. This is how my grand would write. <laughs> like it's just like a really kind of old fashioned. But he just left this letter on her bed, which she takes a read of. Which I was running on the treadmill, bow, so I don't actually know if we grasp what was actually written on the letter. Yeah, I didn't. I don't think that I saw any any real detail or wasn't paying attention. I mean, it kind of looked like a love letter of some kind. Maybe, yeah, that's yeah. how I read it as as potentially like a, a love letter. But she's like, oh, she holds it close to herself. So once again, Ren's real because Ren wrote a letter, bro. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my figment. He wrote me a letter. Dun, 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 dun. Give, give me a ticket for a snowy camp. Uh, and all right so uh, in, but in, as they're walking as they're walking out though uh peter says to um like the, they're having the conversation this is where the line comes up they're like like we need to watch what we're doing to stick together and don's like yeah well let's let's be one of these guys is a fucking killer because it's right. not us and let's that mark guy spoke to both andy and don uh not don Andy and Susan before yeah. they died. So And I mean, they're like, well, and Robin seems kind of sketchy. There's this Glenn dude. Like yeah. they, they kind of mention everybody but Judith. Well, exactly. Which suspect. once again, and I'm like that, mm, like, uh, you know, come on. But they they are having this is this whole conversation is let's like as writers, let's make sure your attention is completely distracted. You know what they don't mention? They don't mention Ren. Yeah. Uh because Ren isn't realable. Uh so so they walk down and Don's like, listen, I'm I've got my gun back, it's in my bag. We are safe, me and you. We're sticking Which, together. I've got my but she says I've got my gun back after that fucking stupid thing you did with handing it away. Um it's back in my bag. And then the camera pans and once again the most useless character in the history of useless characters that are alive and not figments of your imagination on this show is Noah who we see putting the gun down the front of his trousers. Yep, so he has the gun now. Yeah. And uh, so then we cut to one our, our group out in the wild mm-hmm. uh, hearing something. And again, we, we believe we are beset by wolves that we don't Can't really Can't afford wolves, so Can't... someone has went through the snow scratching it with twigs. <laughs> we, well, and also we find wolf tracks, so that's almost as good as real wolves. <laughs> And but Dawn realizes, like when they start talking about this, she realizes, oh shit, I don't have the gun after all. Yeah, yeah. And uh, but Renee is like, no, 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 we're gonna keep going anyway. So they they keep heading down the mountains. Um, and Renee tries to r- radio Robin. Yeah, but can't get an answer. Yeah, it's already out of range. Yeah. So. And so there's a brief cutaway from their adventure to Noah, who is kind of trying to get some sleep, still uncomfortable because of all his wounds and, and yeah. frostbite. Noah's whatnot. talking to himself, which, once again, I don't think people do that. Like, maybe some people do, but I don't think they have a conversation where, well, I'm just going to lie in this mattress and yeah. not think about all the ways Glenn's been abusing it. Yeah, he is, Noah has an affliction where he has no inner monologue. <laughs> and... It just spits it all out. And yeah. as he goes to uh, the drawer where he saw Glenn pull out some pills, he discovers some more prescriptions for some dude named Benny Ironsides. Which is the greatest fucking name ever. That's the name you have in this show, is Benny yeah. Ironside. You seem like a badass cop. Dude, let me give you my, this is my direct note here. Uh, he finds a prescription for Benny Iron, Ironsides, comma, which is a metal name. 
Yes. It, <laughs> it, it's a fantastic name, and you're right. They should have used it for yeah, it's, it's, uh, you, you must think it's a nod to famous Canadian genre actor, Michael Ironside. I, I would like to believe that that is true. Yes. And... So back to our adventurers, adventurers going down the mountain, uh, and they they make it all the way to Jeans. Yep, and the, which the, was supposed to be thirty clicks away. So, well, I don't know what a click is, but I yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm not in the military. Like she, I thought she said, I thought I thought it was like five miles. I thought like Susan had said that it was going to take them all night to walk. Yeah, to get there. Yeah, these these clowns made it in a couple hours well you know power in numbers and all and and so they find that nothing works because gene wasn't good about paying his bills didn't pay any of his fucking bills was just a deadbeat which i kind of love that's probably why he was up there using the sauna and shit like right yeah i don't have any power back at my place i mean might if i take a shower up here and maybe grab some of your food and uh do you have 30 bucks uh, I got to get my power turn back on, and uh, <laughs> oh, also man. I'm going to take some of this kerosene back with me. It's so it's so so funny because they try to work all that, and they're like, Glenn rightly says, well, "None of this stuff needs to work. We've got a fucking we've got a car out here. Yes. Let's jump in and use the car." But the batteries run out, and remember, we were praising Dawn mm-hmm. in episode one where we were all that when she was she was like, "I'm just going to sit in the car uh, and not help you." like essentially change a tire or do whatever it was um and we made the call of that's exactly what we want that character to do she don't know shit about that like so she should sit in the car um it turns out like maybe us forcing her to sit in the car boys caused another problem right well it turns yeah she she drained the battery by looking at the vanity mirror and leaving that light on yeah and there and glenn is just like well god damn it how how are we supposed to get down now he says something like, you're not the brightest, are you? Yeah. Um, and uh, so, yeah, they're, they can't go. But Glenn at this point, he's like, God damn, motherfucking shit. Yeah. No, it's like banging the. And then Mark decides to have like a powwow with him uh, along the lines of, listen, you need, you know, you're, you know, I, every time I look at you, I have to try and understand that there's a hidden little boy who's angry and anxious in there, but. You have to pull it together, not take your rage out of other characters. To which Glenn basically says, "Speak English to me, Kimo Savvy." Uh, which yeah. is... oh, no. I don't, so, I don't yeah, want they... all your foo foo psychology talk. How about you give me a steak? Yeah, you want so, me to calm under... down? Give me some meat. They're gonna walk back up the hill. Yeah. Uh, um, all right, before. Before they they make this trip back, yeah, we have some doings at the cabin, mm-hmm. and it's Robin and and Kira talking. Yep, while Ren <laughs> is in the room with him, playing guitar, playing guitar, and just kind of shouting out some responses. Yeah, which this, they're not reacting to. <laughs> right, this is this the scene you talked about where like he'll say something. And then another character will say something that could be interpreted as a response to him. Yes. But also isn't really a response to him. Yeah, because Robin gets really angry in this scene and like storms out to which Ren says something on the lines of, I don't know why he's so wound up or whatever. And then 
there's a whole pause of like five seconds to which Kira then speaks to Judith to say, you know, Robin's just under so much pressure just now. He's letting all this stuff get to him and all the rest. And I'm like, oh, come on. Right. I'm (laughs) going to go talk to him, wait here. And so Kira goes to take off after Robin, which leaves Judith and Ren alone. Yep. So they have a conversation in the kitchen, Bo. And like he's like, he's all kind of sidling up beside her and. Like they're not like she's smiling and all the rest, and then Robin walks past and looks over and sees essentially Judith talking to herself and smiling, and then about to kiss the air, and then static comes through in the walkie-talkie, which breaks the concentration of Judith and Wren. They both look at Robin. Robin looks awkwardly at them, um, and we're led to believe, as stupid members of the audience, that. Uh, he's walked in on a romantic relationship, which I think is also forbidden at this commune. Yeah, and you know, there's kind of that May December thing as well. Like, it, there there's some taboo stuff about their relationship. Yeah, but again, it's not. <laughs> we'll get to their the conversation in a minute. But it's oh, Robin God, yeah. watching this crazy person talk to herself, and then you're right. He's just like, oh fuck, you know. Uh, apparently, they're they're back in range. And we cut outside where Kira is getting some firewood by herself. And this is where she finds the, the hand. The, the hand drops out. Yeah. <laughs> to which she goes, ah! and she does the right response, which is like screams out. Basically, Robin's there and Robin tells her that. He's like that. Listen, like everything needs to keep calm here. Then Noah comes out because um, Noah's useless. And he's like, is that a severed fucking, de- you know, like like desiccated hand and he's like yeah and he's like oh my god there's a hand here and he's like that listen it's talvinders yeah yeah and then he pulls his gun that he's got well yeah because like like robin goes on the offensive yeah you know i found the body you killed her and he's like i didn't kill her and he's like you better start telling me the truth like gets like really angry to which noah says the right thing he's like Wait a second, I thought you guys were all about tolerance, peace and love and all the rest, yet all you've been to me is abusive, aggressive, and all the rest. And, and Robin's like, I'll show you fucking aggressive. To which Noah then pulls out the gun, shoots in the air for a warning shot because Robin pushes him. Like, right after saying, like, and this is it's so fucking funny, he's like, nah, listen, I've taken a... Like, he shoots a gun there, he's like, no, nope. right, Noah, calm down. I've taken a vow of non-aggression and violence which he said just after they fucking threw him onto the ground, right? And um, then they struggle for the gun. Robin puts him in a, a legit chokehold. It's a complete sleeper hold. It's, oh yeah. my God, he's got <laughs> him on the mat. Oh Good God almighty, that man's got a, he's got a family and frostbite in his left toe. Um, where, where are the refs? They cannot let this continue. Well, he puts it and Kira's like that. You're gonna, you're gonna choke him out. And Robin has got like a like a thousand yard stare. He's just like, <laughs> like refusing to let go. I and am then, in a world of shit. <laughs> like so, he's like, <laughs> swear to me, hey, lets him go. Right, like lets him go. Gets the gun, points it at him, and basically says, "You will tell me everything about Talvinder and Noah." To his credit, does the first thing that isn't a dick move. He does the smart move. He's like, listen, it was this guy, Owen Gray. Owen Turnbull is his name. Oh, right. went, cool. went missing when Talvinder did. 
Yeah, he was like that. He was obsessed with her. Yep. Everyone thought he did it. Even the police thought he did it. But we couldn't find the body to prove it. This is why we've come up here. We've come up here to try and find the body to put this all to, to rest. And Ro- like Robin's like got the gun over. Meanwhile, the rest of them come over the hill. Rennie sees Robin being all aggressive as fuck with a gun in his hand. <laughs> Going on all this yeah. shit again. And uh, so, so she takes yeah. him inside. Mm-hmm. And is trying to like calm him down in their room, and he's just like, "We have to go bury that body." Look, yeah. I'm not going. I'm not going down for this. You understand me? And once again, that's not what will happen. Yeah, <laughs> and he he says, uh, "This time I'm not going alone. Sweet Mother Steel is coming with me," <laughs> and kisses the gun. And uh, anyway, so he's going out to take care of business. And on his way out, Judith stops him and is like, Ugh. hey, I know you kind of saw me earlier and uh, I feel like there's something we need to talk about. He's like, not not the right time, Judith. <laughs> it's, again, the show completely ducking anyone yeah. just saying like, yeah, you're acting crazy. You were talking to nobody. Yeah, well, he says it's not the right time. He's like, how about me, you and Rennie sit down? He's like, no, no, I, like, I want your take on this. And he's like, listen... We're all a bit lonely up here. I don't want to say anything that would make anyone embarrassed, right? Right. This is like you said. This is not the right time. Give it a little time. All I need you to do is just try to stay focused, try to stay mm-hmm. centered, and we will have time to sit down and talk this through. Yeah. Meanwhile, the camera pans around to Ren, who's hidden behind the post. Yeah, and looking also, angry. It's not real. Yeah. It's so, it's it's so stupid. So, yeah, but anyway, like, so he goes out to get the bones to bear the body. He's told Rennie not to come with him. And he's out there. He goes to the chest and he opens the chest. And guess what? The body's gone. Yeah. Vanished. Um, Greatest trick that never ever pulled, Duncan. Yeah. <laughs> Make you believe that Tom's body. The devil's are? <laughs> like, is he out being a prankster? Um, so like he, but he hears a noise. He looks around and the uh, kind of snow plow drill thing hits him in the face, which knocks him over. Then falls, <laughs> so stupid, falls off the the shelving into his gut, penetrating him. Mm-hmm. And then the killer comes over. Who, by the way, looks like the killer may have the frame of a woman. But we'll get back to that. And um, he's like, oh, oh no, it hurts, it hurts. Don't do this. Uh, and then. We get uh, like a three attempt try here to start the the drill, yeah. which goes off, basically plows into his stomach as he's screaming bloody murder in the extension room beside the cabin that no one hears. Yeah, it's, you know, uh, we've talked about it before, but when Slasher decides to get gory, it at least goes for it. And it's a pretty gnarly yeah. death. It's, it's, it's a cool death. Yeah. It's like, this to me is a cool death. Um, and we do, we'd like kind of fade out with, with, with Robin screaming, but this is not the end of the episode. Um, no, 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 no. No, like not even a wee bit. Now we are like, like we've got Peter, we've got, <laughs> we've got Don and we've got Noah having an argument about the fucking gun. And Noah's like that. Of course I took the gun. You went with all the strong people and you left me here. I can't walk. Of course yeah. I took the gun. <laughs> he's, he's like, well, you left me here because you don't like me and you blame me, which is the theme of this. Like, like every single, what I love about this is every episode thus far, the blame for Talvinder's death has been placed on a character. 
This yes. time it's Noah's turn. Who I you've got to imagine Noah's dead next episode. Really, you at would this stage. think. Yeah, he's definitely not making it all the way to the end. Um, no, I, he's the logical one to get rid of in the next episode. Plus, we're, I think we're going to get the explanation as to why do you blame him for what happened? Because this has now been set up here. He's like, you blame me, don't you? And they're like, well, kind of. Uh, he's like, I fucking knew it. You blame me. I'm going to go up to this room and confront Glenn in a conversation which is going to make me even more fucking hated. Um, yeah, and this scene, this scene's uh, great, dude. Yeah, he he busts into Glenn's bedroom mm-hmm. and it's just like, hey, sup? I got a couple <laughs> of questions like, who the fuck is Benny Ironsides? And yeah. Glenn is like, look, you don't know what you're talking about, goddammit. Just <laughs> drop it. And he's like, no, 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 no. How about I just go tell everybody else about your little stash of pills and ask them who Benny Ironsides is? Yeah. And he's like, all right, goddammit, close the door. And then he tells him this tale of woe about... Horrific ha- tale that made me made me feel like the sorriest I've felt for a character ever on Slasher. Yeah. And so the situation with Glenn is he's got some kind of disease that creates like blood clots in his lungs. Yeah. On the lung. Yeah. Which is life threatening. So that's what these pills are. These pills stop that from happening. But the name on them is different because they are pills donated to like a compassionate care facility or organization for people who can't afford this life-saving medication Mm -hmm. and so they basically take it as a donation then distribute it to people who need it they put actually the name on it as well so it can't be backtracked exactly and then glenn just says is that enough out of me you want any more of my life story my the fact that i'm dying and i'm just up here trying to get some peace before i kick off the mortal coil you son of a bitch and And then noah being an absolute prick goes you know what you almost had me there that was almost plausible i almost believed you and then glenn switches from listen i've tried to be accommodating we shared we shared some ibuprofen Mm -hmm. you know yeah, we apparently peeked at you through the keyhole. I, I even gave you an extra blanket to look after you. I've been nothing but nice, courteous, and mm-hmm. honest with you now. And you bring this shit to me. Like, I'm just telling you now, next time you come at me, you come packing or not at all. Yeah, yeah. And he's right. And he just shoves Noah out of the room and, and shuts the door on him completely within his rights to do so 100 percent. as like i said now that you know that this character is just this dude who is you know like probably not long for this earth which is probably why he's eating all that meat yes yes uh anyway yeah right just enjoying himself right like- yes he's, he's taking himself away from like life's worries he's got a little drop medication left He's going to eat what he wants. He's going to live a relaxing life for however long he has left. Yeah. It. it, it uh, anyway, so Peter finds Kira to establish the fact that these are going to be the last two characters left on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, where he's like, oh, number one, what are you doing in here? And she's like, well, I'm meditating and I'm trying to achieve some peace. And you being in here is not helping with that. <laughs> And he's like, look, how about I make you a promise, number one? No more lies between us and you let me meditate. Mm-hmm. And she's like, Ugh, all right, fine. And that's kind of the whole scene. Yeah, yeah. It, basically, it, like, he t- But he tells her that he's going to tell her the whole truth about the Talvinder thing. 
<laughs> yeah. Now, here's here's my theory. Uh-huh. Now, this is an out there theory with nothing to back to back it up at all, or even my favorite kind. sense. Um, could Kira be the killer? Mm. I don't see the motive. I mean, I'm not ruling it out because this. Show I'm will... thinking Kira is of the same ethnicity as Talvinder and might be Talvinder's sister. Oh, maybe. But then, it's li- but it's, I, I still think Crazy Judith. But I'm thinking now that they're they're pushing. Like this episode just made me feel they're pushing that so that like so unsuccessfully that maybe this might be a red herring. That playing... Number one is still Judith the killer. Ren isn't real, but so you think like, they're playing three D chess where they're like, oh, everyone's going to assume that we're so dumb, yeah, for hiding this Owen character, yeah, and that no one will. And and I no I'll one give like, you. The fact that like Kira has been such a non-character that you can kind of do anything with her yeah. at this she's, point. She's got she apparently knows self-defense. Yeah. Um, like so we're, we're getting bits and bobs, but the mm, fact that they're pushing okay. that as a cat, like, like I say, my number one theory is still Judith. But I'm saying that if it's not Judith, then maybe Kira. All right, I'll, I'll go with you there. So let, let's finish this episode with a scene with Glenn cooking again. <laughs> He's like, I'm going to cook up some pig knuckles, bro. There's some with some goddamn pig knuckles. By the way, this looks like he, he finally chops up some onion. He finally chops up some ginger. I'm like, oh, I like what you're doing. Glenn, you're hitting all the sweet spots for me. You get some salt and pepper on that steak. That steak goes in that griddle. And Rennie comes out and Rennie's like, you and your meat are eating again. And it smells amazing. But and he's like, you come on, just have a little bit, goddamn. Yeah. Um, and takes a bite and there's like, it cuts a, one for her yeah. and like gives it to her. And she's like, no, 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 no. And he's like, well, well suit yourself, goddammit. And it's more for me. So he slapped steak number two in that pan. Yeah. And she, Rennie notices that this pig knuckle steak has Robin's arm tattoo on it. Which sends her into what can only be described as complete fits of hysteria. Uh-huh. And um, Glenn is not the sharpest knife in the drawer because he looks down and he looks at her, then he looks down, then he kind of looks at her again, and then he kind of realises, and at that point, that's when he decides to spit the meat out. Yeah, he's like, what is it? God damn it, she seems upset. Oh, wait. Oh, God damn it, that's Robin. <laughs> I'm a goddamn cannibal, goddamn it! Yeah, no, no <laughs> once I've had a taste of human meat, <laughs> once I've had tasted human flesh, I cannot deny that it tastes delicious, and I will eat you all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to go uh, hide out in a fort somewhere on the wintry plains with a kick-ass score. Yeah, if, if Glenn becomes a Wendigo by uh-huh. the end of this season, it'll be the greatest thing that's ever happened. You're right. Uh, you know, again, it's such a razor's edge between the greatest thing you ever saw and total trash. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's that's really kind of the end of our yeah. episode. So there's no flashback this time to something that happened in between or whatever. It's no. just, no. Um, and yeah, so we've lost another character. And like we guessed that character would be one of the adult commune people uh i didn't think robin would go this quick actually to be to be honest i think that, that was yeah. like, a marginal surprise but once he set up the opening scene with him i was like well he's going mm-hmm. uh and then they've went out of their way to pretty much make him not a nice character as well a murderer uh, who's on the run um so he's gone but yeah the, like this this particular episode tries its goddamn hardest to make ren 
a real character and Ren is not a real character. Yeah, see, that's why I think that the show's not clever enough to use this as misdirection. Yeah, I didn't mean, yeah. But, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. I, like, it was just like the more like the more scenes with Kira, and I was like, maybe Kira's a sister. But, yeah, th- I mean, I, I don't think nah, that's. I think you're right. I think you're right. But I think both things could be true where like Talvender's sister has come up to solve this mystery. Yeah. But is also not the villain. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe actually. That's, um, that I, 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 like, I, I think I'm maybe. I think the problem is I think like because I did the same last season because I think I know the answer and it was so easy to work out i'm now trying to make it more complicated than the journey when yeah. i should just rely on this is not a very well written show and then um, yeah the breaks yeah I, I i agree um all right man that that is it we've got two weeks until we hit uh the next episode of this thing the halfway mark Bo. um first i want to say on the back end of all this thanks to everyone who has been watching and listening um more than ever before as it mm. happens uh so uh thanks for joining us on this incredibly silly adventure um <laughs> and uh duncan uh you have a, an enormous list of things that you are doing at all times so what's going on on around teapots uh between now and then um we are about to kick off we've just finished doing a russian roulette franchise retro on the urban legend trilogy and we are swinging into a new one for june which is the i know what you did last summer one which i think uh, slash a season two owes a lot to uh so um i'm interested to see how many similarities i see going through that because i've only ever seen the first two of those i've never saw the third one um so we're doing a bit of that um we'll be back with an opera omnia soon doing zodiac which i mean how is that just not going to be the best thing ever um so that's that's on its way and yeah summer series is kind of all the movies have been released now the years are all worked out i've got all my hosts ready and we're now in full prep to start recording that in the next couple of weeks as well ahead of its very late july early august release so yeah tons of tons of stuff happening um in terms of movies, kind of hoping that I get to see A Quiet Place 2 before we record next. Hmm. And I believe digitally available in the UK, I can now see that new Saw movie, which I'm in no great rush to see, but I probably will check it out anyway. I, I you know, I, I'm on that uh, Regal app where you can see unlimited movies, which really isn't paying off right now <laughs> uh, because yeah. there's only like three movies out. But, uh, I, and that's how I saw A Quiet Place. But it's it's a real testament that it would cost me about two dollars in a car trip mm-hmm. to to see uh, Spiral in theaters, and it just hadn't happened. Yeah, I, there's a like I, I mentioned it before that like saw so to me as a series has got diminishing returns. That last kind of soft reboot they did was one of the more dumb movies I've seen in a long time. Um, it's almost slasher dumb. Um, in terms of how it's set up and whilst in principle I love the idea of a kind of spin-off and I love the fact that Chris Rock's involved with it and Samuel L. Jackson and all the rest I watched the first they released the first seven minutes and the series has learned nothing (laughs) like it's still (laughs) you know I mean it's still just traps and people being tortured so you know nine times or eight times or whatever it was so i'm i'm with you it's available digitally over here which is about the only way i would watch it so i might check it out in the next couple of weeks if i don't it might become one of those titles for my 31 of october so 
yeah i like you know I, i'll i'll watch in the earth a little bit later before i watch oh uh, yeah. spiral mm. uh so uh you asked what about me well duncan yes. what about me um what about <laughs> it's my what about bob impression um so uh over at legion podcast uh, a bunch of stuff happening all the time uh i would put a focus on the shit i do which is uh pick six movies uh which is me and my buddy chad going through a a series of films uh this season all about uh movies that are like jaws in a season mm-hmm. we're calling it's like jaws mm-hmm. and uh we've got the episode on the swarm about to land um <laughs> the buzz is big for that one don't you <laughs> And uh, then, of, then of course, uh, Hero Hero Go Show continuing the look at the One Miss Call series. Uh, we're on the back end of that television series right now, and then we'll be doing One Miss Call Final, uh, and then uh, bunches more for that. Also on Legion Podcast, uh, be sure you're subscribing to like the YouTube channel and stuff like that where you can see this, uh, as well as uh, a bunch of other stuff. We've got um, you know like new reviews and lists and stuff coming. Uh, to the YouTube channel exclusively. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so just all kinds of stuff. Just uh, hop over to the website. You'll see it all there, legionpodcasts.com. And and then plenty of stuff that I have nothing to do with that you'll probably like uh, as much or more than, than this. Um, although that's tough to imagine. I mean, we do a good show, Duncan. We put up, I believe we, you. I never listened to it. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's funny is that joke started in like the, the second episode, I think probably <laughs> i i i asked you if you knew the name of the show that you were on yes and i think since then it's been a running uh a running gag and that's again almost a decade of that running show. <laughs> <laughs> listen if it's not broke don't fix it bro hey you're preaching the choir man i like it but also it's amazing like to hear the evolution of the show but also just us like you know you talking about you know your young child and stuff like oh, that yeah, it's it's like <laughs> listening to it was like oh my god this is such a snapshot of where well, yeah we tw- were. 24 like my, like 2014 when we started uh winter like if we started in the may winter would be about a month old yeah she has just turned she turned uh seven yeah you know um april passed and child number two is going to be here in september so uh it's right it's 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 one of those things that went you know at one point uh when we were talking about like oh yeah we're missing some of those early episodes and i was like well but you know we've got literally hundreds (laughs) yeah yeah oh they're still like you're like yeah we 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 did a two like two whole seasons of us just doing the the movie competition against each other and then since then, it has been essentially non-stop with TV and the occasional movie review. Right. Um, so, uh, yeah. But done a lot. It, so there was part of me that was always like, well, you know, it's not that big a deal that we don't have the early episodes. Like, it stinks, but also, um, mm. you know, it's not mission critical. And then going back and listening to it, I, I got so much more of an appreciation from, like, a, a listener's point of view. Yeah. To be like, oh, this is not just for completionists, but also because it is such a, a snapshot of who we were and, and where mm-hmm. we were in our lives at that point. And, and I got a lot out of it myself. It was really fun. So look for that coming up uh, on the Duncan and Bo uh, Come Correct uh, feed 
you will be getting some old school episodes popping up on the feed uh pretending to be new episodes <laughs> uh but but it's gonna be a lot of fun so um i'll tell you what we'll be back in two weeks to talk about the fourth episode of slasher season two mm-hmm. uh, and until then uh say good night duncan until then say good night duncan ah no <laughs> is that not right is that not what uh yeah Real loose, 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 real loose